everybody, and welcome back Something to Don't like Quit that. Your Day Job. My name is Paul. I'm your host. And for big episode 201, I have the OG, Woo. Mark Tremalia. Hey, Mark E.T. Hey, Paul. <laughs> um, so 201 uh. is arguably more important than 200. I do have a... I haven't put it up yet, but I do have something special for 200. But 201 is... Like 200 episodes from the first episode. We didn't start at episode zero, right? We started at episode one. Oh, I like your logic. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, now I'm in. <laughs> Initially, I was super insulted that you didn't have me for 200, but now I'm better. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to ask you after 200 episodes. You have your guitar because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot and uh, uh -huh. demand as a paying customer of Mark Tremalia Incorporated. Um, I <laughs> That's why I'm broke. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so we're going to do a couple of things. But to, to start off this episode, one is you look more and more like your hero, Dwayne Allman, every time I see you. And I'm not sure what it is today, but... The moment you came on my video feed, you look like Dwayne Allman. I don't know. I guess I'm just turning into him. I, I guess. I don't know. It's the old gray beard, I think. It makes it look like I have the mutton chops. <laughs> that is exactly it. It looks like you have mutton chops. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just white right in my chin. So, you know, it. Yeah, it blends in. <laughs> so speaking I'll take of Dwayne, yeah, speaking of uh, appearances for for guys that are getting older, such as as you and me. Um, so I have a fully white beard, but I'm I'm never going to color my beard. There are guys that go bald and rock the skullet, and you know it takes a lot of confidence to do that. If you're Ronnie James Dio, um, you can you can do it, but otherwise, most guys just just shave their heads and. And for you being in in L.A. and going on tour and stuff, is the appearance part of it still really important? Not necessarily for you because you still look like the young baseball player from our Xavier High School days. But is the appearance part of it really still important if you're going to play shows? I think so, yeah. I mean, you don't want to look at... You know, you want to have something interesting to look at on stage. So there's a visual to that. So if you're standing on stage and you're you're dressed like everybody in the audience, then there's nothing exciting about that. There's no reason to watch you because you just might as well look at the guy next to you unless, you know, you're doing something amazing musically. I think that's the one excuse that gets away with not having to worry about their their uh, persona, so to speak, you know, their their thing, because. Because, yeah, I mean, if I was a banker, I'd wear a suit. If I'm a musician, there's a certain sort of way that musicians seem to dress. I mean, I've, I've definitely never gotten recognized for being like somebody that works in an office. You know, no one ever said, hey, right. are you a CEO of a company, possibly? <laughs> <laughs> but what about overall appearance? So, so like, if, as, you get, as you get older, right, you gain some weight and, or, or whatever, or you lose your hair or you, or you go gray. You know, I think of guys like Blackie Lawless from Wasp, who is heavy now, but he still wears like the most terrible makeup and he clearly dyes his hair. He has all of his hair, but he clearly dyes it. When I look right. at him, I think, 
dude, 1983 was a long time ago. So I'm not sure like his trying to bring that like rock star appearance still works in that case. Well, th here's the thing. Like, it's it's easy for us to sit back and kind of judge him and say something, but his band has a certain per per personality that they're trying to put out there, a persona again. You know, to they're they're trying to look and act a certain way, and so it's like you can't go on stage with what they have as an image and project that in jeans and a t-shirt. It just doesn't work, you know. And so, I mean, obviously it would be more appealing for us to see him in jeans and a t-shirt than it would in like spandex at freaking 62. But like, you know, he's kind of got to do that because that's like, people are paying to see the band. They want the show. And like part of the show is that he's dressing up in his, you know, wasp uniform basically. And, right. and, you know, I mean, if he had more money, maybe there's a way like with kiss, like as they've expanded over the years, you know, their costumes expanded. So they don't look as ridiculous. I mean, they look, ridiculous but purposefully ridiculous you know whereas whereas blackie because he doesn't quite have the kiss budget he's just you know portraying his image but on a budget yeah yeah okay that that makes sense do do fans care about that part of it so if someone in 2023 is going to go see a wasp show do they care about how blackie looks or do they care that they just want to sing you know uh, Electric Circus or whatever the, the, the bigger hit songs are from Wasp. Right. Yeah, um, I think they want the show and the music, you know, and he's got a, a great band. I mean, I actually know all the guys in that band, just they're Connecticut guys, you right. know, so Doug Blair, who was in Run 21, and Mike Duda, who was in Sequin Rouge and Run 21, you know, he, um, and I, I can't remember who the drummer was, but it was Stet for a long time, who was in Run 21 as well. So he had guys that were very proficient players. Yeah. So that takes care of one side of it. The, the music's not going to sound bad with guys like that. And, right. you know, Blackie's singing is his thing you know like i mean he's mainly a singer even though he plays some rhythm guitar um so i think i don't think he worries about the music side i do think he worries about the show side because that has been one of the main gimmicks with that band is they you know from throwing raw meat into the crowd uh, lighting fires to you know whatever they did on stage that was crazy yeah. they were they were known for that and no matter what age he's at if he expects people to come out he's got to give some of that you know, because what's going to happen is the same thing that happens with most bands that don't have a reason for people to go see them is less and less people keep going. Yeah. But as I look at, you know, where Wasp plays, they still play, you know, like 2000 seaters, 1200 seaters. They play the Wiltern, you know, I mean, Little Caesar, we play at the Whiskey, you know, I mean, arguably you know, musically, we might have more to offer as far as diversity in a, in a band, but Wasp has the package. They have a show, they have songs, and they keep doing something interesting enough every tour that it brings people out to see them visually, you know? And like a plain old rock band like Little Caesar, we're not really doing that, right? Because we're just playing music, maybe writing new songs. That's going to be our only attraction to bring people out is when we have a new album. They want to come out and hear the new songs live because basically they've heard all the old songs live, you know? So My I think Wasp is doing a good thing to keep keep them going sorry go i know i get that my pushback then is people go see bands like wasp um 
or Metal Church or you know any of those those eighty bands because they wanna they wanna remember it's the nostalgia right they wanna remember how good they felt when they were in when we were in high school and those were the big bands and we wanted to be those guys right they wanna remember that but then for me I see Blackie looking like two thousand twenty twenty three Blackie up on stage and I'm like I just don't want to see an old fat middle aged guy up on stage that ruins the the package. I, you know, I mean, you have a val very valid point, Paul. I'm, I'm definitely not arguing that point. I'm playing devil's advocate <laughs> and saying, if you're in Blackie's shoes, what do you do? How yeah. do you maintain yeah. bringing people, you know? But from an audience point of view, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to see Wasp. I don't want to see Blackie in spandex, you know? That doesn't do anything for me. Would I like to hear my buddies play? Sure, that might be fun, but that's the reason I would go, right. you know? Right. So the true fit, you know, when I... I go on like metal sludge and blabbermouth and stuff. And I always read comments, you know, and it's like people, they clamor to see wasp, you know, oh, what's blackie going to do this time. Is he going to bring the big mic stand out? Are they going to do this song? Are they going to project this or what, you know? So it's like, they do something that makes people talk and still want to see them. But are, you know, arguably it's not the clothes. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay, so for a big episode 201, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the reason we started this podcast and one of the things we were talking about early on, right? There, we're presented with choices in our lives. And the choice mm -hmm. for me was, well, I wasn't that good a guitar player when I was younger, mostly because I didn't practice like you practiced, right? So I did other things and I went back to music from time to time, but I didn't get serious about it again until I was, you know, in my late 20s or early 30s. And by then I had a career and kids and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas I could have right. done your thing, which was be a musician. And there's right. no right or wrong there. Um, but when, when we look back on the choices on our lives, I can say right now that was probably the best for me because at this moment in my life, I can pretty much do whatever I want musically. Whereas you got to live, I'm going to air quote it, rock star dreams, even though the reality of it was far less glamorous, right? But there's, right, right. For, for someone who only sees you on stage, it's hard to get a sense of your struggle over, you know, the ups and downs of the past 40 years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change anything, you know? I mean, sure, there's decisions that probably could have made my life a little better, maybe a little more successful, but I like the journey that I was on, mm -hmm. am still on, you know? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's funny whenever I talk about music because it's such a love, passion thing. Like, I want to do it all the time, but it's also not feasible for me really to, to make a financial living doing it anymore. You know, when I was not married and I, I could sleep on couches and things like that and, you know, make enough money to be, be okay. And, you know, get an apartment, get a house, whatever. It was good, but you know, it was never like the acclaim, like, you know, I was in guns and roses, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the journey and, and the way I play and who I am per personality wise, you know, I mean, I'm a fairly quiet guy and I'm not super outgoing, although I'm, I'm, I am at some point and I love being on stage and I love playing. So, you know, it all has to coalesce at some point, you know, with talking to the right person and actually being, 
being comfortable enough to be out there and do it. I mean, I, I was just talking to somebody today and they were saying, you know, the only way you can really be successful in the music business is who you know. And I'm like, basically, mm -hmm. that helps. You know, what also helps is to be great. You know, I mean, if you have a song that makes somebody, Dave Grohl hears your song and says, I'm going to my record label. I want this song to be put out. I'm going to put you on tour with us. Guess what? You just got the, you won the lottery ticket, you know, right. and that does happen, you know, right. and that's that, but that's the rare, rare thing, you know, Brian Ray getting a call saying, Hey, you got the Paul McCartney audition, you know, like, okay, let's see what happens there. I'm not expecting anything. And then a week later, Hey, pack your bags. You know, there's a private jet in Palm Springs picking you up for your tour. Like, Holy cow. You know, I mean, here he thought he was going to play with Etta James and then play local music, you know, and write right. and be a homebody. And all of a sudden he ends up on a private jet with Paul McCartney. So you never know what's going to happen. And that's kind of the way I, I've been, as I'm getting old, I'm looking at my music career like, you know, I'm not putting myself out there right right now, but anytime I'm out there playing, I'm always hoping maybe the right person will see me. Maybe that one in a million thing will happen because as of now, I really don't have the time and the heart to like go promote myself and push myself and go to every jam night and meet new people. I mean, I have a couple bands I love playing with, you know, that, that can keep me busy. Um, and I'd love to someday like do a solo record or write more or record more, but you know, it's every day is, a, a, you know, I'm not much for planning, but I, 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 you know, I wish I, I was better planner and I could put together a record and say, this is what I want to do or put a band together and say, this is what I want to do. But I'm more of a, see what happens, you know, like every day the phone's going to ring. Let's see what, you know, Paul Ill has to say, Oh my God, you know, somebody's looking for a guitar player or you, Paul just wants to play, you know? So it's like, there's, there's always options luckily because I have networked enough, but I'm just not into chasing them down anymore, I guess. Right. So, and that's the hard part, right? That's the hard part of being a musician like you've done. And you've told all those stories on this podcast, you know, eating ramen or having to pawn your gear or doing whatever. And then the flip side where you get to stand on stage for Bang Tango or whatever in front of l quite literally thousands of people. And um, those are the ups and downs. So, so David Torn recently wrote, so David Torn famous played with Bowie and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Uh, he wrote me. I remain satisfied that I've been a working professional musician for more than 50 years uh, and been spiritually nourished by music daily for so long. And, and when I read that, I thought immediately of you because you're the guy that will just sit in your room. And as you said, put on YouTube and play your guitar and you're very, very happy yeah. with that. I am super happy. You know, I mean, I love spending every second with my wife. I can, but like this week she decided to stay out in the desert works from home. You know, I've had the guitar every night. I've played at least two hours every night after work, you know, and that's not that she would stop me from doing it. I just want to hang out with her. <laughs> you know, that's, right. that, that's the problem is I love spending time with her. So it takes me away from the guitar. But when she's not here, like, you know, this is this is my my other love. <laughs> yeah.
All right, so speaking of the guitar, let's think about all the different things that you've done. You have a guitar in your hand. It's some crappy, really heavy, uh -huh. heavy Les Paul, I think. Um, <laughs> yes, definitely, I would agree. <laughs> Um, but you've done a lot of different stuff over your career, right? So I'm going to name a few things, and I just want to hear the first thing that comes into your fingers. I just want to hear what you're going to play when I when I name something, all right? Okay. You, you got this? <laughs> Are you nervous, scared. Mark? <laughs> I'm real nervous. <laughs> okay, let's start with early 80s new wave of british heavy metal style so not quite glam rock but like that early stuff that we were listening to like in 80 81. <laughs> maiden the trooper yes perfect amazing um then if we move on to, uh, we were joking about, about uh, the Mariah days. Oh, and that reminds me, let's, let's get Mariah back together. That has become my goal for, for this podcast. Not necessarily, we don't have to get the original guys together, right? But I want you to play a show under the Mariah name. That is not gonna happen. <laughs> I'll put I'll play a show under the name Mariah Carey, and I'll spell it both different, so it'll be like M O R I H C A R R Y Mariah Carey. <laughs> so let next let's go to the early days of L A. before hair metal became like poison or glam rock when it was still sort of dark and, and sleazy, like early Motley Crue or, or things, things like that. <laughs> Motley Crue, live wire. <laughs> the first thing that came to my head. Then if we if we go into the more glam stuff, but I don't want to hear poison or anything. I want to hear the also rans. Like, can you can you like cop the vibe of? I'm thinking of like Firehouse or bands like that, or or White Lion that were like crazy good guitar player, but everything else was garbage. <laughs> you know. I the thing was, I was playing my original music at that point when those bands you're talking about, like those hair metal bands, were big. So I never really figured out a lot of those songs just because I was already trying to write my own. So by like, you know, Tooth and Nail and Rat, you know, um, some of those, those were some of the last stuff I really was working to figure out. So I couldn't really even play like Firehouse or any of those you know, 80s bands, you know, maybe like uh, L.A. Guns would probably be the closest, you know, like uh, one of those. Uh... One of those kind of things, you know, can you still play some of that that bang tango stuff like someone like you? <laughs> Nope. 
that's it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's you by yourself playing to a, to a delay. As you're standing in front of, uh, again, an arena crowd, how can you not be nervous when it's just you? That's like playing the intro to anything. Everyone's looking and listening to you, and that's a hit. So how can you not, like, be shitting your pants? Yeah. Uh, honestly, like the craziest thing is I, it, all I'd have to do is go and the crowd would literally go and like the, the hair on my arm still stands up just thinking about the reaction. So I look forward to it every night. There was nothing. Yeah, it's an easy part to play as long as I know it, you know, but it, it, it was never hard to go. That was every night. So I could just walk right to the front of the stage. And, you know, I'm pretty shy, like I was saying. So it's like I used to play that just standing. And I remember like Joe grabbing me by the arm, pushing me to the front stage like two or three shows into the first tour I did with them. Because when I played with the original band, that was Mark Knight's part. I had right. to I had to figure it out. Right. Cool. <laughs> so he plays it a little different. He, he wrote it and plays it a little different. Like I go and he does it right here. Okay. So technically it's So anywho. But you don't you don't want to move your hands, you just want to play it all in the same position. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then thinking about how your career moved, let give us a give us a funk riff from the Doc's House Mob era. Give us give us something uh yeah, give us some clean and funky. Nice. So, something like that? Yeah. Whenever I see you play something like that, I look that at your cool. right hand and I think, my God, my right hand can never, ever do anything like that. It's just practice. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. It's He's just like a hi hat, right? Years, years of only playing down for everything have, I think, destroyed my, my <laughs> funk. <laughs> It'll do it. It'll do that. <laughs> uh, can you play that actually now that you played that little lick yes yeah exactly <laughs> do, do you know that song just Nice. It's, you know, little funky riffs in yeah, there. <laughs> nice. And then you moved on to the Chambers Brothers and and played big hits and, again, played some, some bigger shows. But that's more like a soul thing, right? Yeah. Well, they were actually, like, considered, like, folk soul. So, you know, the time has come today. Their big hit was a very, you know... Uh, So it's like, you know, your, your cowboy chords, your D, times come today. Even though they had very funky stuff in their catalog, their big hit was definitely like a folk rock song. Okay, so then you've now established a, a good career for yourself. So this is what we've been talking about now for a couple of years. You go out, you play shows, um, successful by many, many different measures. Um, 
but you can still do all of this other stuff on the guitar. So we've had shows here where you do your Ingve licks and what's remarkable to me is is you can do all of this stuff seemingly out of the blue, but you claim it's practice. And so I don't know. I could practice for uh, for a really long time and not be able to do any of that. Really? No, I don't believe that for a second. Because uh, your brain heals overnight, and the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. You know, like I was just say, I can't play fast. You know, and so that that's just mechanics, just doing it over and over again. So give us Just your practice. favorite, give us your favorite thing to, to end this, your favorite thing to play on the guitar, which I'm presuming is going to be some bluesy, all, all, all e sort of thing. Um, so if you have to, you're, you're, the aliens are going to come take you um, and to save yourself. Right. Uh, you have to play something awesome. So what are you going to play? I mean... Whenever I pick up a guitar, I tend to play bluesy stuff right away, you know? So probably something like, um... So that's incredible, right? And so for obviously people can't see you playing, you're, you're playing with your fingers, you're, you're doing a bunch of stuff, and it sounds so good and melodic. And the shredder in the back oh, of my, the, the shredder in the back of my brain is going, you know, there's not a single arpeggio happening there. There, how can you call that like good guitar playing? There, there's nothing flashy about it. You need to be 100% flashier. <laughs> like I should have like you know done sweep like <laughs> right and so like that. of course I'm making a joke because because when when you and I were younger what you just played second there was really important to us that was de that was second nature back then, yeah. <laughs> and My favorite lick back then was probably that, that like Paul Gilbert, the <laughs> or those. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Sound like the end of Crossroads, where I lose the battle. <laughs> right, right. And so, but what's what's crazy about like that style in particular is we grew out of it. So, is it really like? Yeah. Is it really like a, that's when you're young, you view it as less less musical or less collaborative, and it becomes like about you as a guitar player you know i guess the question here is what what was it in our psyche that made us 
say it has to be dumb and fast and um, <laughs> there has to be some something to impress people that quite honestly couldn't care less, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and as a guitar player, that gets in your psyche. You see a guy like Jimmy Bell and you go like, well, if I can't play as fast as him, I'm worthless as a guitar player. You know, especially when you're a teenager and you're learning and you hear Ingve and you hear Jimmy and you hear Nuno and you go, God, all these guys, they just like, they play lightning fast. Like, what what, what am I supposed to do? Give up? But what I, I find is like, I like to take bits and pieces of everybody, you know, like Jimmy has those great little flashy, you know, like those, like I did that lick before where I'd go, um... Like those little quick things, like that's what I take from Jimmy now. So instead of playing a whole barrage of it, like it's just in between my blues. So I can put a little shred in there, but not, you know, just sprinkle it in. Right, right. And is there, let's let's compare them to now. Uh, one last thing here, talking about your development as a guitar player. Was there, looking back on it, did you feel like there was something fundamentally not satisfying about just chasing shred? Because when you play now, you 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 appear happy. You appear like okay, this feels good. Versus chasing the shred, right? It did it ever feel comfortable for you? No, you know, and I mean, taking lessons but not really taking technique lessons was a hindrance because I didn't really know how to pick well. I used to get really tense. So if I was trying to go, instead of relaxing my wrist to play that fast, I'd, I'd tense it up and I, you know, you, you get pain from that as well as you're not getting any faster. All you're doing is slowing yourself down. So I, that's one thing I, I, I dealt with the frustration of wanting to play fast licks, but tensing this hand up really bad. So if I was like 15 and had somebody say, hey, just relax that hand, you know, like when you're picking, feel like you're barely doing anything. I'd have been able to do the shreddy stuff when I was that age, but I just would basically say, I can't play fast, you know, and I had a couple fast, a couple fast kind of licks, but I didn't really, I couldn't play fast. And then as I got older and I started playing with much better players because, you know, you always want to play with guys better than you. You never want to play with anybody worse right. than you because then all you're doing is helping them. I want somebody to help me. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've had several guitar players just go, oh, dude, you know, when you're picking, like your hand gets, is it easy to pick like that? Because I just get relaxed, you know, like not even being snarky, just yeah. like ad advice or asking me, hey, does that, that works for you that way. And then the realization of me going, you know, oh, wow. And then in, in the last, you know, 10 years having YouTube, I go on and there's like, you know, 20 year old kids that are just mind blowing and they're like, this is how I do it. So I'll spend a half hour, you know, watching their video, trying to figure out how they do it, you know? <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Uh, having 
taken lessons from you for uh, quite a few years now. What I end up hap- what ends up happening for me is I'll sit here and I'll practice something and I'll feel like I can't do it. And then I think of the little Mark Tremelia sitting on my shoulder going, okay, relax your right hand. Uh, don't lift your fingers up so far from the fretboard. Uh, your posture is not, your, your posture is not quite right. Get the guitar a little bit flatter. You know, all of these things that you've told me literally dozens of times now they now they're in my head but unfortunately mark the (laughs) the punk rock still comes through i can't ever shake it you know you can't fight nature you can't fight (laughs) nature paul you know i mean that's that's who you are that's what's embedded you know but this new stuff is in there and if you slowly let it meld you know i mean it can all it can all live symbiotically you know like it can definitely yeah. be something and grow yeah. <laughs> cool so there's one more thing that i want to want to talk to you about now that you've uh, again reminded everyone here in episode 201 what an incredibly skilled musician you are and that's a fact i mean i i often say you know you're the best guitar player in the world or or things like that which might be hyperbole the the reality here is I mean, you're you're an amazingly skilled musician, not just a guitar player musician. So I, I just want to point that out again here in episode 201. How, how much do I owe you for that? Is it, do you take checks or do I send cash? I'm just not sure. It's very, very kind, Paul. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I love playing guitar, but I always consider myself a musician first. That's why I never went for the rock star thing, really. I mean, especially once I saw it. <laughs> I was yeah. with those guys and I'm like, man, that not me but i can't stop doing this i want to talk about the the business part of it here as we end up because we're at the end of the year and so the spotify numbers come out and everybody posts you know how much they're listening to and bands post you know what their streams are and on the one hand i think it's great right because it allows people to listen to a lot of music that you that you wouldn't otherwise listen to. Uh, we were talking before. Right. I feel like my band, Doping the Void, you know, we had 20,000 streams in 47 countries, which is just, those are insane numbers to me because I feel it's like, awesome. you know, Jen is listening. My wife is listening to my music and, and pretty, you know, all of our wives in the band are listening to the music. So thank you for streaming it, you know, 10,000 <laughs> times each wives. Um, but it's, it's funny to think yeah. about, but even then it doesn't, really mean anything right because it's hard to translate spotify who honestly in my opinion doesn't care about music at all right they care about monetizing right. music so it's hard exactly. to to justify those two things so for you as a guy who's been in music trying to make a living over the course of more than 30 years and seen all of these industry trends the, the rise of digital music, the collapse of big record labels. Have you seen it all now? How do you feel about the state of music fans right now, our ability to absorb, to, to get music whenever we want it? That's a, that's a huge question, Paul, because there's just so much, you know? I mean, Spotify dominates music, but it dominates like single plays. We grew up loving albums, mm-hmm. so, you know, people release albums and it's not the same impact like it was when we were kids. There's no mystery anymore. Um, in, in the same way that we had it, you know, if I, I see a band name or a guitar player name, I go on the internet, 
two minutes. I know everything about them. I know <laughs> all their music, you know, I, literally, you know, everything is so instantaneous. Um, that being said, I, there's still tons of music lovers out there. I mean, and I know this sounds funny saying it, but Taylor Swift sells out everywhere. She plays guitar. She, you know, it might be country, but there's pop in there. And it's, it's, it's an aspect of music that people are connecting with. So I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, like mm -hmm. I want real live raw music to still be out there because, you know, when I watch anything on TV, I get sort of disappointed because whenever there's a big party or a big graduation or a big dance, it's only a DJ. Like when we yeah. grew up, you know, there was a wedding band, there was a prom band, there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. live music, you lived, and I, you know, as a kid, I, I went to all the high school dances at Xavier to stand in front of whoever was playing same, guitar same, yeah. and just go, oh man, can I figure out what's he doing? Whoa, he's got pedals. Holy shit, look at those pedals. You know, like it was always an experience, you know? And, and, and that's not to say that that's not out there still, you know? I mean, there are young, like Greta Van Fleet, for instance, their fans are, are dedicated. That band will be around for a long time. Now, do we like them? I don't really care for them, you know? But I have met fans of theirs that have come to my shows or our shows, and they are rabid. They're just like, this band is great. I'll go see them at the forum every time they play. And hey, they're playing the forum, and they've got rabid fans. So... And they're playing live music. They're playing real instruments. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't hate on any of that because that's really all I want is is music to survive and people to to love it and appreciate it the way I do. You know, my whole style and career in music has come because not because I've loved a catalog of music, but because I've liked individual songs. So I, I get that aspect to Spotify. That being said. I can't imagine putting on Zeppelin four and not listening from the first song to the end. I can't imagine putting on kiss alive and not listening to all four sides, you know, like the album was really the thing I grew up loving, but I do realize in my experience as a musician that I just take bits and pieces of all the music I love. So in a way I'm like a singles guy because I'm not, right. you know, I'm not taking everything. I'm taking the little nuance that I love the lick. When, if it, there's the question, if you could go back, if you could go back and tell your young self what you know now, right? If you could go back and tell your young self, these are all the things that you should do. These are the mistakes that you made. So thinking about it for you, if you went back to your young, you know, teenage self playing that club in East Hampton, uh, wearing your white leather jacket, uh, <laughs> and, and playing your Charvel, uh, would would that would that version of Mark Tremelia listen to to the old version? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm always trying to be open and learn. And by the way, that was a, a pink jacket, okay, uh, not not white. And I was playing a BC Rich in the picture. <laughs> All right, fair fair enough. But um, but I would tell myself uh, to not be as scared, honestly. Um, I think the thing that held me back from being social and going to jams was I never thought I was a good enough player. I thought every guy that goes there is George Benson and Al Miola and Joe Pass. And I'm going to go there and go. And they're going to be like, this guy sucks. And so I literally didn't go to jams for like the first 10 or so years that I lived in L.A. because I was so intimidated that everybody was so great. And I remember the first time I, I had a band that wanted to go 
the guy knew the guy who ran a blues night at BB King's club in, in universal city. And after we, we played, we were allowed to play three songs because the whole band came. And then the guy who runs it goes, Hey man, you play good. Hang out and, and sit in with me. And I did like three or four songs and the guy's like, come back. I got guys to introduce you to. And I'm like thinking, Holy shit, this is the first time I've ever gone to a jam. And all of a sudden, like yeah. I'm networking, so to speak, you know, and I ended up getting gigs out of it. And it's so bizarre because I never went because especially I, I used to hear stories too about how they would slag on guys and say, Oh, he sucks, you know, and this, and I was just very intimidated, not knowing I, I would be okay. So what's weird about you lacking confidence is you've always been a good guitar player, like from even way, way back in the day, right? But we get it in our heads for sure that I can't do this or I shouldn't do that or I'm going to embarrass myself or or whatever those yeah, exactly. things are. Yeah. I was always playing in the back of my mind. Yeah. I was just like, I, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. And everybody here is a virtuoso. Everybody here can play anything at any moment, you know, and it just took years of seeing that, whoa, that is not true. Like certain people don't know what this is. Some people don't know what the, you know, like it's just, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing when you realize you don't really need to be scared. <laughs> so that's the takeaway to, to all of the young musicians out there. Don't be afraid. Give it a give it a try. We did name uh, our last opening the void record Dare to Suck because that's just the way that we approach it. We maybe have terrible things and maybe people are going to hate us, but OK. <laughs> hey, you got to dream big. <laughs> yep. I, and I am confident now that it's not too late for me. Do you still feel the same way? Yeah, I'm 56 now, but it's not too late. I could still be a rock star. You never know. I, crazier things have happened in this world. <laughs> and I mean that, you know, I mean, do I think anything's going to happen in my head? No. But I mean, am I open to the possibility? Sure. That would be amazing. You know, I mean, I'm waiting for Paul McCartney to call right now. So <laughs> I have the offer. It's Mariah getting Mariah into the studio out on the road. You wouldn't want to hear any of that. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I remember one lick. It went. So that was the level I was writing at. So I don't know that you want to hear. That's a hit song, dude. I'm sure we can <laughs> we can uh, get we can get on the Foo Fighters tour, the Taylor Swift tour. I'm sure I'm sure we can make that happen. I'm gonna work on it in the background. Hey, Mark, 201 episodes. Thanks okay. for for doing all of this. Yeah, thank you, Paul. This has been a blast. You know, I mean, I love love getting to talk and it, it taps my brain. I think of stories. I mean, there's stories I still think of that I'm like, oh, I forgot I got to tell Paul these because <laughs> it, it, it is taps my brain, especially if I listen to a podcast. I'm like, oh, I forgot to mention this. So, you know, we, we, we'll have to do a podcast of catching up and, and addending, you know, putting addendums in stories yeah. because there's other little, you know, bows to pin on them that are, that are pretty good too, that I've, I've left out. So yes. perfect. <laughs> Thanks everyone who's thank, listening and supporting us over, this. over 200 episodes. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. We're going to continue to do them. We, we enjoy doing them. Lots of guests have uh, asked to be on the show. So looking forward to 2024 nice love hearing that
Bye. <laughs> <laughs>